Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Millennials Anonymous Podcast. Yes, you know it's your girl Lise here. And I'm a millennial, so we gotta get this party started right and quickly. But before I can do that, you know that I have to give a big shout out to my peoples because we record on the same day because, you know, I said I'd be being lazy and everything now and, you know, fuck it, fuck it, you know what I mean? So, shout out to my people, Ashley the Cannabis Nerds, shout out to E-Digger, shout out to the guru over there. I wanna give a big shout out, we had a good time today and we talked about everything from the Ahmad Aubrey situation and all the things that people are saying and the new information that is coming out to skeeting in people's eyes. So it's just it you know we, we're we're well versed. We're 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 well versed over there. We we go deep, we go far um in conversation. You know what I mean? So make sure you like and subscribe on all major podcasting platforms so you can check out Brunchin. We had a really good time there. And if you haven't had a chance to check out last week's episode when we talked to Nokio from Drew Hill, make sure you do that. He was so fucking awesome. Like, make sure you do that. I am just saying. And again, big shout out to everybody who came on last week. Delay and they came on Millennials and to Nokio for coming on to Brunchin. So big shout out to y'all. But, you know, we got to move on because I got a lot to talk about. But before I give you the top 10 trending topics of the week, and I said it right that time, I want to just say that it's way too many people out here that said, fuck this quarantine. Like, it, it's way too many people to just say, you know what? I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn about a damn. I don't know what, what is a quarantine. You know what I mean? It, it got a little warm, it got a little warm, um, I'm on the coast, so we got beaches here, you know, some places got water, but it's just like a, like a watering hole, like a mud little pit or whatever, but we actually got beaches here, now, it, don't, it ain't like Cali, we don't have Cali beaches, we don't have Miami, you know, welcome to Miami, Ami, Ami, we don't have that, but we do have beaches here, we got, uh, you know, we got Ocean City, it's, it's, it's decent, it's decent, you know, it'll get, it'll get the shit done, you know what I mean, if you want to sit in the beach, it'll get the shit done, but it was too many fucking people, like, they just, people just went, rah, let's just, just, you know, I want to be near you, I want to be near you, like, it was just one of them things, like, god damn, like, y'all couldn't, you couldn't wait to get out the house, you saw people doing shit, they ain't never did, I seen people on the fucking golf course, I'm like, now, you know, your bitch ass ain't never played golf in your life. Like, you just had to come out here just to fuck cuz. Like, you you know. And I knew you didn't belong there. Because you don't drive a damn 1998 Honda Civic on the golf course. Like, it's it just like that don't. that it's That's not a golf cart. That is a car. You know what I mean? So, it's just a lot going on. I just wanted to put that out there to y'all. That that's just not what you do. Um... It, just be safe. If you got to be out there, at least be safe. But let's get into these top 10 trending topics of the week. And I said it right twice. Yes, let's get into it. All right, so here go your top 10 trending topics of the week. Here it goes. So if you were watching like I was watching because you had grewed up when the late two, early 2000s, you know about Nelly. Oh. You know about Ludacris. 
Luna. And that was my time. You know what Woo. I mean? So they had a versus battle. I was ecstatic and elated to find out that they were going to be versing each other because I had grewed up with their music. Like I, I was, I was more grown. I could remember where I was when EI came out. I could remember where I was when Move Bitch Get Out the Way came on. I remember when I was with Southern Hospitality was out. Like I remember that shit. I fucks with everybody in the versus world everybody who's been in the versus world all of them have been legends all of them you know i fucks with neo and all that other stuff and teddy raleigh and babyface but i wasn't really i when teddy raleigh and babyface came out i was a, i was a kid and when some of those songs came out i wasn't even born yet so you know you don't get it it's has an emotional connection because my mom plays this music but it doesn't hit home quite as hard because like i said i couldn't even hold my neck up my neck was still when i was this music was coming out like you know i'm not gonna sit there and be like yeah i remember when i heard the song the first time i was just learning to roll over i was i had rolled over from my my side to my back it was that was a good time like i, I don't i don't remember you know any of that times so the only thing i can remember is when i am a little bit older and i when i was a kid i was like that fast dance person like i never was that type of girl that was like i like that slow ass music like i was that was my fucking sister like she was listening to luther when she was like nine like i i don't i don't know why but that's just the fuck she was doing I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, why? But whatever. So we were, this This was our time. You know, a lot of people. So I was excited and I got let down a little bit. You know, it was a good battle once they got over the connection issues. But it was kind of started kind of ratchet. So it was, I was late. And so, you know what I mean? Like in black fashion, I was late. But I, I had a reason. I was being strategically late. So I was like, you know what? I'm in the store. I'm shopping. But, you know, they not going to come out with the bangers yet. Like, they ain't going to play Southern Hospitality and Hot and Her. Like, that's going to be, like, halfway through the battle. You know what I mean? And everybody been having, like, three-hour battles. So they probably play that in an hour, too. So I was like, okay, I'll wait. I'll wait. And so I jumped on, and it was, like, 7.30 or some shit. And they still hadn't even started. I was like, what the fuck? So then, I, of course, it starts happening. Nelly looking kind of grainy. It's kind of shaky. And I'm like, oh, oh, I had to pull a Rick Ross. Like, oh. like it was like, not again. I was, I was getting flashbacks from Teddy Riley because that was that was emotional. Like, we was, we was trying so hard to make Teddy great that first time around. We was trying. And I felt the same with Nelly. And Nelly was so carefree. He was like a combination of Teddy Riley and Teddy Riley's hype man. Because he was dancing, you know, he, he kept dancing and nobody could hear him. And, and we couldn't really see him, but we could see his shadow that he was dancing. So we don't know if he had AOL and he just didn't upgrade the disc. Because you remember they had the disc and you had to keep getting new disc and, you know, all of that. And we could hear the You Got Me. Like when he logged on, we heard You Got Me. Like we heard it. And it, it was just like we needed, we needed this to really work. And eventually... They got it together. You know, it took Ludacris two wardrobe changes and a call to Swiss Beats to make it happen. But we we got it. You know what yes. I mean? We, we got it to work. And they had everybody in there. Tiffany Hash Haddish was in there. She was making jokes uh, about <laughs> about Nelly looking like, because she froze it. And he kept looking down on his phone like, Nelly looked like the guy that can't get the condom on right. And he had... <laughs> Jamie Foxx making jokes it, it was just it was a lot and I I see 
appreciate the comment sometimes more than I appreciate the versus battle. But it was a good one. And Luda won. We knew that Luda probably was going to win. But I, to be totally honest with you, I think it's kind of biased. I think the people that win these versus battles on IG are the people that have the strongest internet connection. If your internet connection is better, my golly wow, you fucking won. Like, that's just how it is. If you got a good internet, if you got AOL, you're going to get fucked up. Okay, you're gonna lose. But if you got Verizon, you know what I mean? You got that Fios, you got that 5G, yo, you're gonna win. You won by default because you got that 5G because you paid a little extra on your bill. You know what I mean? That's how you win. I'm not saying that Nelly don't have bangers. EI was my shit. I was hiding her when that song came out. I knew I was hiding her. Like, I don't know if you know you was hiding her, but I was hiding her. Like, I, I fucks with that. You know what I mean? And Air Force Ones. I never got me any Air Forces, by the way. But, yeah, Luda won that. And in other news, Jay-Z, he's about to make this song cry over here. And he's saying, Jigga what? Jigga who? Because we got another one. <laughs> another one. Another oh. grown-ass adult who's saying that Jay-Z I'm is focused, man. happy. So, we got a girl here in Maryland. And she's 28 years old. She's saying that Jay-Z is her father. She says she looked like Blue Ivy. And somehow she took an Ancestry.com test that connects her to Jay-Z's grandmother. Or some shit like that. And it's it's interesting because... Yeah. She she does favor Jay-Z a little bit. She does look like him. She looks like she can be somewhere in the Jay-Z family arena. But that don't mean it ain't his cousin kid. You know what I mean? Or something like that. But... I, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out. Now watch Paternity Court. Listen. Listen. Sidebar. Chica man. Y'all know I'm a sidebar kind of girl. Paternity Court will teach y'all the show. Will teach you about human nature. Like it will teach you. To, and I'm a quiet person. Like I used to be very, very quiet. And one of the best things in the world is to actually watch people. And Paternity Court and Divorce Court will do that. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I love it. It's my guilty pleasure. But you will learn so much about Paternity Court. Like, you will learn that more people can't fucking count than you would ever imagine. Like, more people don't know how many weeks go into nine months. Like, you would be amazed at how many people can't count that. Like, you would be amazed and you would also be amazed at how many people just don't use condoms like it just it just is fascinating um fast quite quite fascinating um but you should watch it and because of this you learn a lot of people don't get their kids tested like if they don't know who the daddy is or whatever they never get the kids tested you got 40 year old people walking around and they don't know who their father is so i don't understand why you had to wait till he was a billionaire and he was jay-z to say that that he's the daddy you couldn't have get a got a paternity test when he was sean carter like i get that the mom now has ms you know and the daughter has a, a non-profit she's trying to market and then she got this book and by the way i was gonna buy the book if the book was cheap but the shit was like 50 dollars and i'm like i'm not paying fucking 50 dollars but i don't give a damn that shit could be dipped in gold and signed by obama and i'm not buying that shit like i i'm sorry yes, sir. sorry sorry i'm sorry I'm, I'm sorry, Blue Ivy 2.0. Like, I'm not, I, I can't. That's too much fucking money. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. And Michael Jordan, speaking of expensive, 
And when you thought Jordans was expensive, you ain't seen shit yet. When you thought people were standing outside saying, fuck this quarantine so that they can get these damn Jordans. Well, Michael Jordan's baseball cleats just sold for a whopping $93,000 in an auction. I don't know, but Jordan just seems to win constantly. Despite people saying that he was an asshole, he just wins constantly. And Jordan is certainly the GOAT, so that's 93000 then I, I need to borrow a dollar, Michael Jordan. Just, just a, just a nickel. Let me, just let me get signed. And a sex tape leaks and resurfaces of rapper Kevin Gates having sex with a woman. Now people are saying that this is not his wife on this video because his wife has tattoos on her back. But I believe this is an old video, so I don't know if this was maybe pre-tattoos on her back before people start getting him in trouble and you know tagging his wife that he's cheating on her. Maybe we should figure this out now. I. I will say that the sex tape was lackluster it was kind of boring it was it was a little dull um it was it uh, it was average sex it was the sex that we all have you know what i mean like i don't know why he would record that because usually if you're gonna record a sex session it's gonna be one it's gonna be a good one by the way homemade sex tapes are overrated they're just they're just overrated like most of us are not gonna have a kim kardashian sex moment where you can just you know flip it like a drug deal and now your whole family eating like we we ain't the rick rosses of fucking sex tapes like most of the time you're gonna watch me like ooh, that looks aggressive Ooh, oh okay mm, no i didn't know we look like, mm. like it is one of them so I, I need for people to to stop stop that like stop Stop it. Stop. No more sex tapes. Sorry. And Will Smith and Jordan Lucas remixed the song Will. It was amazing. I will say that Will Smith has some serious talent. Shout out to Will. So I guess we can call him Willie from Philly. There you go. Shout out to Willie from Philly. Over there. I, I really like the remix. I will say that Jordan Lucas is winning. And Will Smith is also winning. And he still can rap. Like the flow was on point. I like it. And it had a message. So shout out to Will Smith. Getting jiggy with it over there. And you know who else is getting jiggy with it? Lil Teriyaki 69. Yeah, Lil Teriyaki is doing the damn thing. Now he's calling out Snoop Dogg who called him a rat. And basically Takashi flipped it. And he said, you know what? Snoop Dogg is a rat himself. Do I need to call out these other rappers that have ratted on people? And people are buying it up. They're eating it like some serious Oreo cookies and some cakes, some snack cakes. So people are sitting back listening. And Takashi said that according to Suge Knight, Snoop Dogg, he ratted out on him when they were on trial together. And Snoop got on live and he kind of confirmed what Takashi said. Then he came back and he clarified it. I don't know, but this stuff about the rat stuff has got to stop. I'm like, listen, Snoop. Listen, Uncle Snoop. You too goddamn old to be going back and forth with a 24-year-old. Just let that shit go. Let go. Meek Mill even apologized and said, I, I'm done. Like, I, I just wash my hands of it. I got a baby. I got to do my shit. Like, just, just let it go, Snoop. You, you smoke too entirely too much ganja to be this pressed. You, I seen you on that Mike Tyson special. That was the biggest blunt I've ever seen. Look like you rolled a Camaro. Like, I need you to go and get some of that and deal with that because this is too much. And speaking of too much, Lil Boosie, if you don't know who he is, you need to find out who he is, man. You find out who he is, man. He says that he got his son oral sex on his 13th birthday from an, an whole adult woman after he made comments about Dwayne Wade and the way Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union were raising their daughter, Zaya, 
and people are outraged. So I don't know why we continue to allow this type of behavior. It's crazy to me, but I guess it's expected from a man who molested a mannequin in the store. Um, but that's just where we're at. And we've got to do more to protect our sons. This is not normal behavior, nor should it be normal behavior at all. But we dealing with little boosties. So. I, I, I don't mm, be dealing with a little boozy. So I'm just waiting for CPS to show up at his house. And Obama gives a speech to all of the graduates. And we are all sitting there in gas like, man, we miss oh. having an adult in the fucking White House. Like, we all miss it. We miss, we miss it uh, so much. Somebody that can speak English and enunciate his words properly uh we miss it um so um yeah that that's that's where we're at that's all i can say but it was an amazing amazing speech very powerful i enjoyed it quite a bit and according to hip-hop dx the three migos one for all and all for one skipped out on eighty thousand dollars worth of clothes according to a stylist it looks like they walked off with these clothes and they didn't give them back like they was trying them on and they didn't give it back so i guess sorry stylist it's game point one blouses and people are actually having according to vice tv people are having problems masturbating because their spouses are home so now that they're stuck in the house and they're in the house stressed they want to get a little me time and they can't get any me time because their spouse is on the, in the room they might be on like webex talking to their job or whatever but they're still there and you can't really get that good yang yang you can't get the yang yang you can't get the yang yang gang when you got your spouse over there and sometimes look you just want to be by yourself sometimes you know how to do it right sometimes you know how to get that circulation going you know what i mean and some people pre-game you know we were talking about this on brunching and they were saying well if you have a spouse you don't really need to masturbate anymore and i was like oh you know what i don't know if that's true because sometimes you and your spouse are not on the same accord maybe you're beefing right maybe maybe you're beefing and you like don't come over here near me that happens, you know what I mean? Or maybe you just pregame, like, let me get this one or two off so I can, you know, give you a little extra time because if I don't get this one off, it's going to be very, very, very fast and you're not going to be really happy about this. So maybe that's what some people do. But I can't judge. I will say that you should, I don't know if you should include your spouse in your mask, but that seems weird um, because then it's not really masturbating in or like you might as well just have sex at that point if you include your spouse but I, I don't know I don't know why people are having issues with this but I guess the quarantine is highlighting a lot of issues maybe sometimes it's spiritual you want to be alone with oneself but this has been your top 10 trending topics of the week and if you have masturbated make sure you wash your hands because we are in a quarantine just saying but this has been your top 10 trending topics of the week let's move on to the topics of the day and we got an interview coming up with miss sarah weiss so let's get that going and pop locking and dropping author entrepreneur mogul sass boss mom and all those amazing things how are you doing today I'm as good as I was the first time. I'm so excited for the second take, though. You know, our first our first call was very like surface level, right? And then as soon as we went, you know, we turned the live off. We were so real. It was so awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that's usually 
what happens. The best conversations actually happen <laughs> after <laughs> or off mic. Uh, but we're, we're going to get down in the nitty gritty. So let's, let's do, it. do it first things first, since no one got to hear that. So I'm going to reintroduce you technically, but I'm going to introduce you to the good people out there that are listening to this who may not know who you are. Who is Sarah Weiss? And how did you come to write the book, Not Born This Way, which has several different meanings, by the way? Yes, yes. And I love leaving that up to interpretation, but uh, there's so much I could say about myself. And I know that there's a certain little bit you want to really touch on because it's it's entertaining, it's controversial, and it's fun to talk about. And I know that you are going to challenge me, which I'm kind of looking forward to. Okay. You know, the world the world needs to talk about it. Um, so we'll just go come right out there. I don't use this label for myself, but if you want to understand right off the bat about my history, uh, the label that I've been forced to uh, not embrace but take is transgender. Okay. So in my book, it's called Not Born This Way. So obviously, instantly, you can, you know, attach that to that name. But my attachment to that name is that I didn't use any limitations that society slapped on me to define who I was or my life. So I said, I'm not born this way. I'm going to create the life I want based on my terms. Okay. And I defined the life that I wanted and I created it. Okay. Um, but for the individuals out there, I just wanted to give them some basis. So if we start asking you questions, they're like, what, why is she like, I just wanted to give them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I get it. And honestly, like the term I use is woman. I mean, this is the thing I have about that label. It doesn't define me. If someone says transgender, what does it mean? You know, it just puts me in a box. But if someone says caring, loving mother, that makes sense. Hard worker, driven, um, ambitious, uh, loving, giving, you know, those are words that define me. Transgender does not. So I don't accept it. Okay. And I understand that. That's that's like, even with me, I wouldn't want somebody to necessarily, I didn't, that's, I am an African-American woman, but I don't necessarily need people to go around saying, you know, you are a black woman at everything that I do. So I, I, get well, I wouldn't go around saying, oh, she's the black woman who interviewed me. Right. (laughs) There are so many amazing things that I would describe you as, and that's not at all what I would say to describe you. Right. And so that's why I want to make sure that people understand what they say and how they say and getting the information out there so that we can have these conversations and are better evolved at it. But as a person, you've been through a lot. You, you've you been through a lot in, in your book. So I want you to explain to people the evolution. So since we, we've kind of already hit on it, let's explain the evolution of who you were into who you are today. I had a childhood that you know, a lot of people have had it. It wasn't exactly um, extravagant. I grew up kind of, you know, low income. I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was poor, poor, but we were just above that line. You know, I knew we were uh, kind of poor because I would go to school and I would go with a brown paper bag every day with a peanut butter sandwich and an apple. That was my lunch every single day. And all the other kids had Dunkaroos and fruit by the foot and all these amazing, tasty, sweet snacks that I never got because we couldn't afford them. That's how I knew. (laughs) <laughs> do brown paper bags give you nail do they give you like a- <laughs> ptsd yes. like oh my god get it away from me <laughs> it's symbolic you know what i want to actually bring this up because this just happened um i was listening to a song that brought me back to a time where i was going through struggle and pain and hardship and listening to that song empowered me because okay. it, it's very it, it's very symbolic of that time that i was going through so uh, listening to it it brought me back there and it was like Wow, I didn't feel strong then, but look at me now. 
look at me now. I got okay. through all of that crap. So it's it's something that I want to talk about in, a, in in another time is if you're feeling like you're going through some stuff, we all have phases in our life where we go through stuff, we overcome, we go through more stuff, we overcome, we go through more stuff, we overcome. Sometimes we need to be reminded that we've got what it takes to overcome the next one. I know. And, and I think that was a really cool experience, you know, playing a song that was, you know, symbolic of a time where I was struggling, mm -hmm. but I overcame it. So it was an empowering moment where I was like, I did it then and I can do it now. That, see, and that's amazing because I think a lot of people, when you hear it, you kind of go back to that time and not necessarily thinking about where you've come, how far you've come. Like, I'm still right. here despite <laughs> what happened back then. Right. Uh, we don't give ourselves enough credit. Like, we did that shit. Yeah, we never do. But, like, speaking of your, your childhood, let, let's go back to, to you a little bit. So, growing up, you kind of got felt like you had to get typecast because of the people who raised you. Your mom was awesome. Right. You said your grandmom was awesome. But you still felt the need to kind of conceal who you were. Why was that? Like, if you had yeah. that support of that, su those supportive figures in your life, why did you still feel the need to kind of cover that up? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One being, you know, we're our own worst enemy. And I told myself that society wouldn't accept me for who I truly was. So I hid it. But, you know, my mom had this role model for me. My male role model was a big, burly biker dude, uh, racist, sexist, every ist word in the dictionary. He was it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, He was it. And I mean, he was that typical, like, you got to be strong. You can't cry that macho, you know, you got to be the man's man. And so, like, I adopted that I said okay this is who I've got to be and this is who I'm gonna you know teach the world that I am this is who I'm gonna show I'm gonna create a persona based on him so I started to model other men like him and become that tough fighter you know don't cry stonewall you know that that fake it's crazy I look at pictures of of old me and it's I, I don't relate with it because it's not who I am at all it's like watching a movie where okay. you're playing a character it's not you but you're playing that character, mm -hmm. right? So th that's kind of how I relate it with. But yeah, I, I had that role model plus inside my own mind saying, if you tell the world who you are, you're not going to be able to be loved. No one's going to love you. You're going to be a freak. You're going to be an outcast. You're going to get ridiculed and killed and judged. And no one's going to like you or invite you to their birthday parties. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you can look at pictures of you. You don't hide that past. You, you kind of still embrace it. Like well, that's been a process. That's okay. been a process. It's it's something that used to like I'd look at an old picture of me and it would give me the chills and I'd I, it, it would like be almost like a PTSD response and I'd want to like hide it. Mm -hmm. And I honestly I've deleted and got rid of a lot of my pictures. And I've got a few now that I'm I'm working on looking at them with mm -hmm. love now instead of with this like feeling of shame and guilt. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. Now, I do have a question for you because you said that your your mom in shout out to Front Seat, which was a podcast you were on. Amazing podcast, by the way. So yeah. I highly recommend you like and subscribe and go find find them. But you mentioned that your mom and grandma thought that you were gay. My mm -hmm. question to you, just being like open and honest in this platform, and I don't necessarily want to dwell in it, but I want to get the information out. Let's there. do it. Let's do it. How did you how did you know that you weren't gay, but you are in fact a woman? How did you come to that decision? There we go. Now we're getting process. the good questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's a very real, legitimate question. And I honor you for it. Thank you. I knew because of my thoughts. Like, I mean, 
I didn't understand it as a kid. I really didn't. You know, I wanted to dress up in, in girls' clothes, but really, what does that mean? Maybe it's just like some kid wanting to dress up as any character, right? It was more when I when I hit puberty. Okay. When I hit puberty at around age 11, I was thinking about getting pregnant. I wanted to be pregnant. I wanted to conceive a child. I wanted to grow my hair long. I wanted to paint my nails. I wanted to do all these very feminine things. So, and I mean, some people will say, oh, you wanted to grow your hair long and paint your nails. It doesn't make you a girl. Wanting to be pregnant, that might be a little bit more. Plus the fact that, you know, my nature was just very feminine. It was sensitive. It was more caring and nurturing as, a po- as opposed to like this uh, aggressive, you know, strong-willed, hardcore boy type of uh, personality. Okay. I've always felt feminine. I've always felt soft and, and just caring and nurturing. And I just, I never fit in with the, the boys, but oh, I fit wow. in with the girls. Okay. So even from a little, little kid, you knew like yeah. something is, something's different. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I knew I, I, whether it was because I was mature for my age or, you know, I just saw that what I saw in the mirror didn't match what was happening in my head. Okay. I don't know. All right. And this is this is a very, very touchy subject that I'm about to bring up. Um, And if you don't want to answer it, you don't have to. What do you say to those individuals who say that a lot of the times people who transition transition because it makes it easier for them to kind of go through life as opposed to being a gay man or a gay woman? What would you say to those individuals? Well, you can't really talk on something you're not going through. That's that's really the, the core of it. Mm-hmm. I can't explain what's going on with me. And okay. this is, I think, something that, that people have a hard time with. Everyone wants to understand. Mm-hmm. I'm going through it. Do you think I understand it? I don't. All I know is my story. All I know okay. is what I'm experiencing. I don't know why I'm experiencing it. I can't tell you the science behind it. No one can. All I can tell you is I'm not like the other guys. Otherwise, I wouldn't look like this. I wouldn't sound like this. I wouldn't feel like this i can't tell you why i can't understand it and honestly nobody really needs to understand it i mean what's what does that do for you like what is understanding the reason behind this do for anybody all it is is like i don't have to understand why your skin is is that color what is that going to do for me do i need to know the science behind it for me to be friends with you respect you love you um um listen to you talk to you none of that matters right right i i agree with that and you did try to kind of live this lie this facade that you know what i'm a straight male i'm gonna get married so you you were in fact married I was married. I had two kids with this woman who, you know, and I'll put it this way. I was always sexually attracted to men. Okay. But I was with her and I had, I had love for her. Okay. You know, just like you can have love for anybody that you just truly, you know, you have a connection and an intellectual and emotional connection. And I had a connection with her, but I'm sexually attracted to men. I don't choose that. I, I could choose as much as I want to pro- to play a persona and to act a certain way, but I can't choose who I am inside. I, I tried. I literally prayed every single day, and I'm not religious, but I prayed every day for God to take it away and make let me wake up normal. You know, I wanted to be this normal person that society wanted me to be. Trust me, I wanted it too. Okay. And it, it, just, <laughs> it wasn't happening. Okay. What was When was the moment where you were like, you know what, I can't like I can't do this anymore it's not fair to me and it's not fair to you like I just can't do this anymore 
Well, I always thought it would go away, right? And it never did. You know, I, I made it to 26 years old before I realized, okay, it's not going away. In fact, because I'm resisting it so much, I'm starting to break my own morals and values to satisfy the need of having sex with men while I was married. And that is not who I am. Okay. I am a loyal person. I don't cheat. I'm like, when I love someone, it's them. Okay. You know, and I watched myself go on Craigslist looking for men to sleep with while I was dressed up. And I'm watching myself. I'm watching myself do this. Like, stop, stop. This is not who you are. And I couldn't. I couldn't stop. Okay. I lost control. I had no power over it because the needs that I had, my human needs were greater than my needs to stick stick to my morals and values. Okay. Well, I mean, that's interesting because, you know, not just from a standpoint of a lot of cheaters or people who do cheat don't necessarily always have their remorse. So you definitely knew that something was off. Like if you are, because I know Way some off. cheaters <laughs> and that's like the last thing on their mind. Mostly it's to, you know, conceal it and just move on. Um, but when was the day like, because I know that you were trying to kind of I would think if you were cheating, that was your way of trying to tell yourself like, hey. <laughs> yeah, right. So <laughs> like who you see right now, I am the person who was in the mental prison behind bars in his mind. Okay. I was there like, let me out now. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still friends with your ex or did you guys kind of just like part ways? It took a while. Uh, May 30th is my five year of when I told the world who I was, um, okay. which is also the book release date. Funny enough. Congrats. Did, didn't mean that. for that to happen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Didn't mean for that to happen. It's really cool. But yeah, over the first you know couple years, uh, she made my life hell. You know, oh, wow. she, okay. Yeah. Well, so the thing with everything, like I lost everything. I built up a very good life that looked amazing from the outside, but in the inside, I was dealing with a lot of struggle. But I owned my own house for seven years. I owned my own company and ran it, a landscape landscaping company. I had the respect and love of a lot of people because at 26, I was married, two children, owned my own house with a bunch of land and a company. Like I looked like I had you know, my head on my shoulders and I, I you had your shit was, together. Okay. My shit together. I was doing it right. Right. But on the inside, it was the complete opposite. And when I came out and told the world, I lost it all. Everything started from square one. So I told her that I want 50, 50 custody, but because I know it's not in their best interest, I need to work on my life, get it back to a, you know, a stable state so that I can take care of them properly. I'll take access. I'll take every second weekend, one day a week. And she used that against me. She tried to leave country with her new boyfriend. Wow. That she met in rehab. She tried to change their last name. And I, because I had owned a company, I wasn't getting legal aid. And I didn't own the company anymore, but they they wasn't they weren't accepting my proof. I was trying to prove that I didn't run this company anymore, and they were just saying, "No, we're not giving you free legal aid." Wow! I had no. Oh yeah, it was it was a rough couple okay. years, and uh, I had to I had to go to the courthouse and talk to what they call duty counsel, which is they just advise you a little bit. And I was self represented. I had to fill out affidavits and motions. And I was fighting so hard in the middle of my own battle of trying to get my life together. I knew I, this was still massive priority. Otherwise, I would have lost my kids i now have sole custody of them oh, i just i love them to pieces they're everything they're my whole world okay. and of course i was going to fight for them but yeah i lost everything i had to i had to try and fight to get you know a semblance of a normal life back mm -hmm. and it wasn't easy you know everyone was against me and, and i adopted that 
everyone's against me. Everyone turns their back on me because everyone did. Everyone turned their back on me except for a handful really? of people. Oh yeah. Well, I grew up with this, you know, macho male persona. Okay. And I grew up in a in a country, uh, like a country house or a country village town, whatever you want to call it. Not. It was very tight knit. Everyone knew each other. Very close minded. Honestly, to be to be honest, it was very like hicks and hillbillies, right? Okay. So. You know, as soon as I went public, everyone's like, no, I don't know her or I don't know him, whatever they, you know, I don't know that freak. Oh, right? really? Wow. That must have been extremely hard to have all your friends. So you mean none of your, your close friends, no one? One, only one. And he lives here. He actually, I rented a, I rent a room to him. He's, he's my best friend. Okay. Um, he's the only one who stuck around. Thank God. But he, you know, he wasn't exactly right beside me during all my struggle. He was there though. And okay. I could call on him, but uh, all of my close friends bailed and wow, it was really hard, but it's now I see it as a blessing. So many people are surrounded by people who are toxic and they know it. They know that they're going a different direction. They've spent their lives in high school and lots of memories together. They've done so much together, but then all of a sudden, you know, some people, they want to go a different way and they're starting to improve themselves and work on themselves and they're not staying still like some people do and they they you know I, i'm a coach right i'm a very professional uh life coach and i get people who are like you know i love this person but i know they're toxic i know they're bringing me a, uh, the wrong way when i'm around them but i i can't just come get myself to to get rid of them or to to leave them i was gifted an opportunity where everyone who was toxic in my life and i didn't know it yet took the trash out themselves hmm wow I, I would have never thought about it like that but that's actually really really smart like I, I a lot of people do we keep people around us that we know we should get rid of but yeah you didn't have to necessarily do that yeah and then, you know at the time i thought it was a curse i thought uh, like i thought i saw it as everyone's turning their back on me and i owned that i, I kind of looked at it as if it's not if somebody will leave me it's when somebody will leave me i figured that anyone who comes into my life they're going to turn their back on me at some point and i like owned it and i i defined myself and my life by that mm -hmm. and i realized eventually that i got to stop doing that and start to define my life the way i want it and define it by you know people who come into my life find so much value being around me that they'll never want to leave i had to tell myself that whether i believed it in the beginning or not i told myself that and i reprogram myself to believe better things about myself better things about where my life could become like who i could become and where i could go okay yeah i mean that that makes a whole lot of sense now speaking of people around you so you still have your 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 family stayed or some of your family correct yeah yeah so so like my mom um unfortunately my grandma who always knew passed away before i could prove her right <laughs> okay oh I'm, I'm sorry to hear that my condolences thank you thank you you know it's it's just it's i know if if there's a, a god or heaven she's up there just like loving that i'm living my authenticity she's probably she's a hard ass too she would have been like i told you i knew it <laughs> how, did you, how did you explain this because your mom you know kind of knew she knew before you knew in yeah. in some regards but how do you explain this to your kids do they kind of know what's going on or they know at their level of understanding i've told them that you know and i've showed them pictures of me as their dad holding them okay you know and i they they if i say you know girls what did i used to be they would they'd be like you used to be a boy <laughs> and that's what they understand they don't understand much more than that you know they're they're five and six years old so that's what they know okay um but they they don't call me a boy they don't call me dada that i'm i'm mom you know okay and, 
they see me as as a woman, which so do I. So that's great. So, I mean, I, that's an amazing thing because now your children have been exposed to it. So they'll be more open than a lot of because people don't give kids enough credit. I think a lot of the times people think kids are not going to be able to grasp it or the kids are automatically going to be mean. I'm like, no, kids are mean because you teach them to be mean. Kids right. are actually some of the most loving, open. They just know that you love them and they love you. And that's that's all they that's all they really really know um yeah but eventually you you did have to take the process of going from who you were to who you are and you did transition i know that had to be a scary process because i know that's something you wanted to do but i would assume it was very scary to to finally do it it felt better in my head but doing it in reality was much harder and much scarier And I'll tell you, I was always on edge feeling like, am I going to have to fight somebody today? Am I going to have to defend myself? Like, what's going to happen? It's like every time I stepped out, dressed up, uh, you know, again, this was new to me at 26, right? I didn't know how to dress properly. (laughs) I didn't know how to do my makeup properly. It was very obvious what I was going through. Um, And I got all the stares. I saw people taking pictures. I worked at Costco Okay. <laughs> like, like six months into it, I, I looked freaky and I don't own the term freak or anything, but at the time I did, I was like, I'm a freak, you know, and I can tell because everyone stares at me and, and it's, it's, it's crazy, you know? Um, but I, I walked into it and I, I did it with my head held high, mm-hmm. even though I was scared shitless. Okay. And then you, you went, you traveled in order to finally make your final transition. Is that correct? Like you went on a reality show, which I didn't even know that was- <laughs> yeah. they had reality shows in Thailand. I was like, oh, they got the real housewives of Thailand. I didn't realize that. <laughs> so <laughs> what was that like? Oh, that was so cool. And the story behind it is so crazy. Because like when I first decided I was going to do this, when you do the research and I did all the research, they're like, you know, prepare for a 10 year journey. If you want to be comfortable in your skin as your true self, you know, it's going to be a process, especially if you do it later in life, mid 20s, like you're you're socially conditioned in a man's world. Mm-hmm. So if you want to become, you know, the woman that you want everyone to see you for, you're going to have to, you know, recondition yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I I spent years training myself to walk more masculine, to talk more masculine, to sit on a couch and put my arms up and spread my legs and, you know, <laughs> own my space and be this like man guy thing, bro man dude, like, you know, and I had to recondition myself and allow the, the real me out which felt like conflict because, you know, the real me, when I was a kid, I used to walk with this like more feminine, prancy kind of walk. And I noticed it. So I, okay, I got to walk more rigid and, you know, Mm -hmm. I I trained myself. And then the real me is coming out and saying, well, you know, I want to walk like this, but you're trained this way. I want to talk like this, but you're trained this way. So it was like, I had to untrain. And it was just, it was, it was quite the process for sure. But uh, I ended up going to Thailand, uh, was the question. I guess I went off, I'll clap there a little bit. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. We're good. We're good. We got there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So the point of what I was saying was I I made like a a plan for this 10 years. Okay. And in that plan, part of it was getting like a couple surgeries, like a nose job um, and, you know, some facial feminizing surgeries. And I didn't have the money for it. I just knew I had to figure out what the plan was, you know, mm-hmm. and, and manifest law of attraction, the secret, you know, stuff. I was big on that. I was like, I'm going to manifest it. I don't know how I'm just, I know I'm going to do it. Okay. So I made a plan. 
And I started looking up, you know, all the best surgeons. And I, I was suggested by someone to uh, look into Thailand. Actually, it was my mom. She's like, you should look into Thailand. I'm like, I'm going to freaking Thailand. <laughs> no. I'm like, well, I'll entertain and I'll take a look. And I found out that that's like the place to go because these surgeons, they're the best at what they do when it comes to cosmetic surgery. And they, they charge like a quarter of the price. Really? Yeah. Like, I mean, dental work, cosmetic surgery, any type of surgery, tummy tucks, like you just, you name it. They charge like a quarter of the price. You wow. just got to get there. Okay. <laughs> so I, I started doing the research and I started looking up the, the top surgeons there and I started uh, getting quotes. I started looking at the reviews. I started connecting with the people who wrote the reviews saying, you know, how's the surgery now? Is it still good? You know, is there any re recommendations? And I started to connect with some of the top doctors and surgeons out there, get quotes from them, get on the phone with a couple of them, all these, these back and forth. And then it was, it was done because I didn't have the money for it. So I just, I had the plan made. I knew where, where I wanted to go. I knew my top three choices of doctors doctors and what it would cost okay Figured it all out and i started like how am i going to do this you know how am i going to get the money for it or how am i going to just make this happen well about eight months later a girlfriend of mine she she has had a bit of acne and she applied to this reality tv show thinking that you know she would get free surgery to help her with her acne or, or oh, something wow. okay. yeah and um she gives me this application i'm like okay i'll apply and i applied and i was accepted it was crazy. I couldn't, I couldn't believe my mind. But here's what's crazy. I got accepted to go on this Thailand reality TV show and got the work that I wanted done, done by one of the doctors I had already gotten a quote from who I wanted to get the work done from. Wow. And I got it for free. Talk about manifesting. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's I absolutely know. awesome. You're gorgeous, by the way. Oh, and, thank you. And I noticed you have a tattoo, too, on your, your wrist. I have one. So we're sort of like twinsies. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so th that's that's amazing. Now, we talked about this a little bit oh, when we were kind of like behind the scenes when we first recorded. And this is Pop. How? Whoop. Once you finally transition, how hard was that for you to kind of feel the difference? Because as a white male, you have a level of privilege that you Ooh, don't that's noticeable. necessarily have. Yeah, that, that was a shift. Um, you know, so I was this, you know, 220 pound, you know, demanding male. Like I walked into a room or he walked into a room. I can't even relate with this, this person. He would walk into a room and demand respect just by the way he held himself, his, the way he looked and this, just the confidence and all that stuff. And it would be given to him like on a silver platter. He didn't have to earn it just, you know, because he was a white male, whatever. It's not like that anymore. <laughs> Misogyny is uh, well and alive. Okay. Um, I have to earn respect. It's a lot harder. Um, I I've got to prove myself. It's not just given to me. Um, I'm looked over much easier. I'm not taken seriously. Uh, so many guys, oh my God, all they can see are, you know, these from Thailand, all the way from Thailand, <laughs> capturing <laughs> capturing attention over here. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm nothing more than just a piece of meat to a lot of people. And uh, I feel that and it's disgusting. Yeah, because I, I just was curious of the how that feels to be on both sides. Like you, you've seen the one side and then now you're on the other side and to kind of feel how that adjustment could be like oh wow I didn't mm -hmm. 
I probably noticed it more than most people because I had the white male privilege, respect, whatever you want to call it. I had that and I went to the complete opposite. There's this narrative out there uh, that some cisgendered women have and it's that somehow trans women or women who have transitioned are trying to replace cisgendered women. Uh, What would you say to those women? Uh, And they're not going to want to hear this. Okay. And they're going to deny it and they're going to refuse to to accept it. But the sooner they can accept it, the sooner they can live a happier life. It's an insecurity they're projecting. Mm. It's on them. I mean, why would I, why would I do this to, to replace anybody? That just makes no sense to me anyways. I mean, from my view, like all we all, all anyone does in the human race is they just want happiness. That's like the main goal. They want to be loved and they want to be happy. Why would I be happy replacing other women? That just makes no sense. I'm happy being myself and being accepted and seen as myself and not having to hold back and, you know, put myself in a mental prison so that I can society please. I like living authentically. I like not having to, you know, watch what I say. And every this is how exhausting it was to be this male persona. Someone would say something to me and I would have to do this mental calculation to make sure that I say the right thing to come off as this persona that I was creating. So exhausting. I now don't have to think about what I'm saying. I can just speak from my heart, speak from my instincts. I don't have to proofread my thoughts. This has nothing to do with replacing anyone. If anyone feels that it's something that is damaging, it's against me, it's 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 hurting me. Your existence hurts me and it uh, damages my life. And that's, that's their judgment of themselves that they're projecting to other people. And again, they might not want to hear that, but if they can learn to accept that, this is a hard thing that I had to learn to accept when I'm judging someone. It's just a reflection of myself judging myself. But what I will also we what we haven't done yet is kind of talk about what your book is about. So the born this way or not born this way has several different meanings. So we got one. We have one meaning. We we've already we've talked about that. We've tackled that. What is the other meaning in your book? Because I know what I think it means, but explain to people about manifesting, you know, your destiny and being able to find the motivation to be the best you possible. What would you explain your book as? Oh, I love talking about this. This is this is like it's the real core behind me and how I can help people. We all have limitations. We all have disadvantages. We all have hardships. We've all got pain. We've all experienced things that just make us want to break down and cry. Some of us want to take our lives over some of the hardships and struggles and pains. The thing that sets someone apart who's living a happy life and fulfillment and champions and and all that is that they didn't own it, that they didn't define their lives by that limitation and that disadvantage. They didn't say, I am the disadvantage. And some people do. Some people say, you know, this happened to me. So that's that's all I'm, I'm stuck with. You know, mm. I grew up poor, so I'm supposed to be poor. You know, and it's not like they say that, but that's what their mentality is. They own it. They own their limitation. They own their disadvantage. They say, you know, I'm blind and I, I'm doomed to, to live a blind life. Right. But then you see people who are blind or, you know, are missing limbs and they're, they're top end athletes, motivational speakers. Like, well, what's the difference between you and them then? Obviously, you can do it. You, anyone can. And that's what I mean. You know, you're not born this way. You might be born into a poor family. You might be born into having a disability or born into having some kind of limitation or disadvantage. 
but you don't have to live that life if you choose to live something different. Right. You can define your life instead of who you were or who you are, instead to define yourself and your life by who you are becoming. And who do you want to become? And that's an amazing question. So many people forget to think, who do I want to become? And they just take what's given. They, you know, they settle for whatever and they're going through the motions and they're on the corporate ladder, whatever they think money is going to bring them happiness. But really the best question is, who do you want to become? What life do you want to live? So when, when people ask me about me, I describe them who I am becoming, not who I am now. And that, that's that's key. And I think a lot of people, you're right. I know a lot of people that believe like, hey, I was poor, so I'm supposed to be poor. My parents were poor. This is what I'm supposed to do. And they never move past that ever in life. So I'm that actually makes a lot of sense. Describe who you want to be. Now, what do you say to those individuals who are thinking about getting your book that are in they're in a rut but I know you said you explain who you want to be but what if you've never seen that like you've never seen anyone who kind of was like you and became successful well you know they always talk about fake it till you make it right and I think that's where I started that was like my starting point like okay well you know if I'm gonna imagine something I, like right now, maybe I'm imagining that my life is going to stay on the same track and I'm not going to be, I'm not going to amount to shit. I'm just going to be stuck, this poor victim, you know, I'm imagining that because that's not the case. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can imagine all kinds of things. Why not imagine a life where I'm a badass, where I'm helping people, where my words resonate with people in a way that helps them become a badass too. You know, I started to think about that and it was like empowering. I was like, whoa, Imagine I could live that life, you know, where my story helps other people tell their story, which sets this ripple across that changes the world. I mean, that's a cool imaginary story. And I'm like, maybe I could do that. Who knows? Let's try. Why not? Why how, not? Did, how did you get love? Why don't you tell people a little bit about, I guess, your background? How did you go from being on welfare to now being this business owner? Like, how did you get from point A to, to Z at this point? It's hard when you, um, you know, you become independent and you start to work really hard to, to break the chain, you know, like I, I accomplished some things in my life and then I lost it. And I thought, I'm smart enough. I'm, I'm stubborn. How many of you guys out there are stubborn? <laughs> you know, I'm hard headed, strong willed. I'm a powerful, independent woman. I don't need help. That's the worst line you can give yourself. I don't need help. Mm, okay. When I dropped that guard down and decided, you know what? I want some help. I know I could do this on my own. I know I can figure it out. It just might take me 10 times as long. So I want some help. I want to do it now. I don't want to end up in my 60s before I have all these revelations <laughs> and regrets, right? <laughs> so it started with that that vulnerability enough to say, I need help. And I started seeking it. I started seeking mentorship. I wanted someone who's accomplished what I wanted to accomplish to teach me how to think how to use this god-given brain right it's like you know something i've learned about humanity is we operate perfectly we all do if we are given a recipe to bake a cake guess what we can bake a cake you don't have to be a baker you don't even have to be intelligent (laughs) you just follow the recipe and you can bake a cake that's all we're missing is the recipe that's all we're missing when you're given the recipe that's known to work anyone can do it 
I wanted to learn how to, to use my mindset and, and to think properly. So I actually connected with someone and, you know, it was, it's crazy. I manifested it. I tro- totally manifested this, this person into my life. And he taught me how to, to shift how I think, okay. to stop labeling things as good or bad. That's a whole other, co- there's a lot I can talk to you. I could talk to you hours about, but um, one of the biggest things that really shifted everything was to stop thinking about my desires as much as I thought about my purpose in life. Okay. And and I, I ask people what their purpose in life is all the time. And most of the time they scratch their head and go, um, I don't know. And that sucks. Yeah. It's a hard thing. It's a, it's a hard thing to answer. It can be, it really can be. And I, I mean, I will spend two to three to four sessions, coaching sessions with someone before sometimes that the, they figure out what their purpose in life is. You got to start with what are your goals, you know, and they'll talk about, well, I want to pay my bills and I want to live a comfortable life. I want freedom. I want to travel. I want to find the love of my life, you know, the surface level stuff. And then, and then I always ask, well, what hell, what happens, you know, after you have all that, what's next? Oh, um, what I can have all that, you know, that, that blows their mind. <laughs> you know, it's like, first of all, you see that you don't even believe you can accomplish that. So right. let's shift that. So after that, what's next? And then they start to say a little deeper on the surface. And then after that, I say, okay, well then what, what about after that? And, that? and that's where people's minds get blown. It's like, you know, you don't have any financial difficulties or responsibilities. Your, uh, your family and children are taken care of. You've traveled the world. You've, you've done all these things that you want, these desires. You've fulfilled your desires. What's next? That's when they're going like, whoa, you know, um, I have a story. And they, they start to really talk about the things that fire up their soul. Mm-hmm. That's your purpose. When you don't have any other responsibilities, when you're not living to pay the bill and to heat your house and to put food on the plate because that's all taken care of, what would you do with yourself? And a lot of the times, 99.9% of the time, it's I would help someone go through the struggles that I went through with the proper tools so that they can get through it. Oh, awesome. That's awesome. And I think a lot of people don't think about that. I think that's that's a question that people need to really focus on. Like if you actually believe in you as much as you can, your abilities are, you can actually achieve it. What's- and everyone's got a story. That's the best part. I don't have to know anything more than my story. That's all I'm telling you guys is my story. And I know that there's other people who are experiencing some of the things, if not all of them, of, the, of what I'm experiencing. And I'm telling you right now, you can survive it. You can beat it. You can get over that mountain if you take one step at a time. Doesn't matter how big that mountain is. One step at a time. Keep moving forward. Don't give up. And, you know, decide where you're going once that mountain is climbed. Yeah. Because you're going to. One step at a time. Just keep moving forward. That's that's amazing. Um, to actually have that, once you get that realization that you can do it. It's an amazing feeling of it. Now, your book is coming out soon. Um, it, it's pre-order, right? You can, you can pre-order the book? You can pre-order it, yeah. Okay, so how can people find your book and how can people order your book? And then I guess also tell people a little bit about your coaching. So if they're interested in getting coaching from you, how can they do that? Well, here's something pretty cool that I did. Anyone who buys my book on pre-order will also have a five-week mental fitness coaching course that I put together. So for the same price as my book, which on pre-order right now is $19.99 plus $10 shipping. 
If you go to sasswag.com, so S-A-S-S-S-W-A-G, so three S's there, sasswag.com, <laughs> you, you order, you'll get my book for free and the course, which is a video course. Every day, you know, there's a new video talking about coaching insights that'll help you shift yourself from um, victim mode. Um, I feel like everyone's, you know, against me. That, you know, that, that terrible, terrible mind state where you end up getting stuck Okay. I help people get unstuck and I empower them to feel more confident, to feel more worthy of all these great things that they know that is out there for them. We all know it's out there for us. We just don't feel like we can get it. Okay. Yes. I help people realize they can get it. Awesome sauce. So now you know. And then, so there's two two ways to get the book. Both awesome. You get some extras with it. So it's like some some extra additional sauce on top of the the spaghetti so you need yeah. to make sure you go out <laughs> and i love spaghetti so we can talk about that too if you want yes <laughs> yes and i learned something new last time that she also likes some hip-hop as well and she you know <laughs> can beat bop beatbox because i'm just saying like sometimes and i was guilty of this you can't judge a book by its cover you just don't know people until you know people yeah and then you will find that you have more in common with people than you could have ever imagined if you actually sit and talk to people and that's why i love having a podcast and you have one too as or you you did or you're gonna start back up with it i'm gonna start back up with it it's called bossified mindset and i will get back to it there's all there's i think i don't know 11 podcasts on it but uh, i gotta get back to it and uh you know let's 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 tease your listeners if you guys want me to come back and beatbox with someone for for this show let let least know yes yes so you if you are a you know a a rap i can't i'm sorry i'm just it's not my my wheelhouse it would not turn out well but if you want to hear it we're definitely gonna bring miss weiss back and she will do that and she's gonna come back as well to talk about some of the things that are going on in the world since there's so many things going on every day and so we'll have an amazing fun conversations one day i'm gonna bring her into some stuff so she's gonna be like what what is happening (laughs) challenge accepted let's do it i love that and we appreciate you coming back on this platform i can't even say come on i have to say come coming back on this platform on another day because i know you're a mom i'm a mom it's hard to find some quiet so i appreciate you doing that and coming here today it's been such an honor uh, take two was awesome right i'm really happy with this this is re- really fun and you're, you're super cool I, I love your show i love everything you stand for Aww. you know you add it you add value to my life so i really appreciate you oh and i appreciate that you add value as well i'm so happy now <laughs> thanks again <laughs> Hey, thank you so much for rocking and rolling with us. This has been another episode of Millennials Anonymous Podcast. Thank you to Miss Sarah Weiss for coming through. I appreciate that. She came through completely blind. She had never heard of Millennials Anonymous and podcast and she came on the platform. So I want to thank her for putting up with all of the questions that I had. I appreciate her. And I want to give a big shout out to WPIR 98.4 FM for y'all rocking with us. WRDR because we just started airing there on Sunday. So thanks everybody for tuning in there. I was, you know, happy about all of the love that we got on there. 
And I want to give a big shout out to everybody who just listens on all the platforms and podcasting platforms. We've been doing really well lately. So I want to thank you guys and everyone who's made and said they love the content. So I want to give a big shout out to you and to the Communicator Awards because we did win here at Millennials Anonymous Podcast for Best Host, which was for Lise Winnie, which is myself. So I want to give a big shout out. So thanks again. We will be back with another guest. Bye.